Welcome to the Bradleyville Church of Christ podcast. We are a family of believers striving to be the first century church in the 21st century. We are located at 25861 State Highway 76 in Bradleyville, Missouri. Please join us for Bible study Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. with worship to follow at 10.30 a.m. Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. Now enjoy our lesson. We're going to continue today talking about becoming Christ church. Um... I've gotten some feedback from you all, but I will tell you, I have, I've really enjoyed putting this lesson, these lessons together because it's been a good reminder to me of what the church is about. When you go back and look at the scriptures, when Jesus said, I will build my church, you know what that, that meant? It was personal to him. You ever built anything in your life? You ever made anything with your own hands? And you think about how much ownership you have in that. Jesus built a church that he has ownership of, and he wants that church to be what he destined it to be. And so we've been talking about the mission of the church. We've been talking about, we've been talking about uh, first question, shouldn't church be more, right? Is the church a, a building? Is it an event? Is it a business? Or is it a family of people who have close-knit relationships with each other so that we can be vulnerable around each other? That we can share our weaknesses with each other, not just our triumphs, but our, our hurts. That we can edify each other and build each other up. And most importantly, that we can make more disciples. That's what we're going to talk about today and next Sunday, is how do we actually then go about the process of making disciples? We talked about where do we start. And, and really where we started with was here in the, in the church, right? If we're not together, if we're not physically together, but also spiritually connected with each other, nobody's going to want to be a part of that. That's not attractive to anybody. If it's simply a cold, business-like attitude that we bring to the church, there will be people who will want to come to be consumers, but they won't stick around to be family members. And so we have to be people who are building relationships with each other. And it can't just be between 9.30 and 11.30 on Sunday morning. It's got to be throughout the week that we're working to make connections with each other. Last week we talked about one another. What does that mean? That means that I am going to sacrifice my resources, my time, my money. I'm going to sacrifice for you. I'm going to love you, and I'm going to esteem you higher than myself, and I'm going to confess to you, and I'm going to share with you, and we're going to together, we're going to build each other up to be bigger than what we could be by ourselves. That's what one another looks like. And the scriptures gives us ample passages that speak to the idea that we are to one another each other. And today then we're going to talk about, we're actually get into the kind of the nuts and bolts of making disciples. Because, because now as we're starting to grow together, now we're going to start reaching out. And we're going to start then to fulfill the, 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 the second level of the mission that Jesus gave us of making disciples. The first, the first level is we're making ourselves into disciples. We're making ourselves look more, more like Jesus every day. You remember I asked the question, uh, two weeks ago, what would this church like if Jesus were a member of our church? Well, that's essentially what Jesus wants, is he wants us to be little Jesuses, right? He wants us to look like him. And so if we are living that life, then we are then going to be going out and trying to make other people into disciples. And that's why William read for us from Matthew chapter 28, because it reminds us that that's the mission of the church. Go as you are going, make disciples of all nations baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. So today we're going to talk a little bit about maybe some mechanics of making a disciple. Has anybody ever made a disciple before? 
if you never made one before, it's kind of like I could ask the question, has anybody ever baked a souffle before? Maybe you've baked before, but have you ever made a souffle? I've heard that, that could be pretty tricky. Maybe somebody in here has, but I have never done that. I would be very intimidated by that. And I think sometimes we bring into the idea of making disciples a little bit of intimidation. How would I go about making a disciple? Well, first off, we're not making disciples of us. We're making disciples of Jesus, right? But let's talk about how would we go about this? How would we teach somebody else about Jesus? Because he said that you are to teach them to observe all things whatsoever. Okay, that's where we're going to start with. So let's think about God's principle, first off, of sowing and reaping. He said, well, nothing. what does that have to do with making disciples? Well, one of the things we have to understand about God is he establishes certain principles that have widespread impact in our lives. If you've ever grown a garden, you know about the principle of sowing and reaping. The principle of sowing and reaping is basically this. You reap what you sow, right? If I sow corn, I don't get watermelons. And if I sow one corn, I don't get a thousand corn. The principle is pretty basic. And so we look at three passages that remind us of the principle of sowing and reaping. The first one is Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not going to be, he's not going to be mocked by this. God will not be confused about his principle of sowing and reaping. And nor will he allow us to be confused about it. For whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. What does that mean? First off, it means, think about what we've been talking about over the last seven weeks. If we want to sow, if we want to reap a business like church, then we got to sow business like church stuff, right? If we sow a church that is a building, if we talk about the church as though it's a building, what are we going to reap? We're going to reap consumers who want to come to a building. If we sow the church as an event, we're going to reap people who want to come here as consumers to be participating in an event. If we sow it like a business, we're going to reap business-type results. But the question is, is that the fruit that God wants us to reap? If we sow it, though, as a family, as a together, one another family, what are we going to reap? We're going to reap a together, one another family. We're going to reap people who want to be a part of this family, and not just to be served, but to serve to minister, to be a part of the togetherness, to be a part of the one another. You remember we talked about the benefit of one another is when I serve you and you're serving me, we're both being served, right? It's beneficial to both parties. And so the first principle is whatever we sow is what we're going to reap. We cannot sow a hybrid and reap the pure fruit of God. We can't pretend that we're one thing and sow something else. So what that means is we got to really be serious we have to be intentional about sowing the seed of togetherness, of one anotherness. Because you know what happens whenever you sow seed hypocritically? People, people can sense that, right? We can, put up, we can put up a good face and say, you know what, we're a, we're a church that loves each other. And the first time we get together and somebody news us and we're at each other, right? Bickering against each other, you know, making fun of each other. People are going to recognize that. And so we have to be intentional then about sowing the seed. The second principle that we see here, the second uh, verse that teaches us about the sowing and reaping is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But I, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God's principle of sowing and reaping teaches us that we reap in accordance with what we sow. 
All right? So if we want to reap a bountiful harvest, we got to put a lot of seed out there. Now we're going to talk about that because I don't want you to be overwhelmed with the idea of I got to I got to have Bible study with a thousand people. All right? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about necessarily in quantity, but in quality. Can we have quality relationships? Can we build quality relationships with people that will result in disciple making? But if we don't sow anything, we're not going to reap anything. You probably heard the analogy of the fisherman, right? The guy who's got all the tackle in his box. He's got more rods than you can shake a stick at, but he never gets the boat in the water. Never going to catch fish, right? So we've got to learn then to start putting some bait out there that's going to be attractive to people that we can then be fishers of men with. Third principle that we see in sowing and reaping comes from Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. When God says shall, what does he mean? It's the truth. Verily, verily, right? Amen, amen. It means that this is the truth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God will accomplish his mission with or without us. You know what that means? I can either be a part of it or I can't, but God's still going to accomplish his mission. He's still going to be successful in his mission. It's just whether I choose to be a part of it or not. So I have a role to play, but it's a voluntary role. I have to be on board with God if I want to be a part of his mission. So we, we, we then move on then to thinking about making disciples. And I call this Making Disciples 101. There's probably things that you can think of that I left off of here. You can only put so much on a slide. But I want to give you basically four principles to think about when we are thinking about making disciples. The first one is start small. I just mentioned to you before the idea of bountiful sowing versus uh, sparingly sowing. I don't want us to get overwhelmed with the fact that we have to, we feel compelled to have to to sow so much seed that we can't even keep up with it. You ever seen that before? You ever seen a gardener that puts out 160 acres of garden and can't keep up with it? That's that's worthless. That is fruit that is wasted. And so if we're going to be disciple makers, we have to be smart about it. And so you think about the fact that Jesus preached messages to thousands of people, but who did he really work on discipling? He started with the 12, right? And the reason he started with the 12 is to make a disciple takes a lot of work. He took these men from their fishing boats and from their tax offices and from all their, their, the different clubs and groups they were part of, and he put them beside him and he traveled with them 24 7, 365 times 3, right? About eventually three years he had these men, these men with him. Now, I'm not asking, God's not asking us to move people into our house to make disciples of them, but what we see is that making disciples re, uh, involves intimate relationships, and, and mankind were not made to have intimate relationships with thousands of people. And so we need to start small with this. The goal is to make disciples that will then make disciples. And so if we're starting with one or two people and we're, and we're building a relationship with them and we're, we're helping them to first off obey the gospel and then to look like Jesus, then you know what's going to happen? They're going to start that spinoff and they're going to want to have studies with other people and they're going to take, and that's how you grow to a bountiful reward. So we start small. Start with a one or two, uh, a one-on-one -on -one group. Maybe you've got somebody that you work with that has shown an interest in, in, in the, the church or in, in the Bible or in God. And you just 
Just feed them some verses. Hey, you know what I heard about the other day? You know, this is what we learned at, at our worship the other day. Or I've been reading this passage. This is what it, this is what it means to me. Would you, would you like to sit down and talk about that? Maybe we can go to lunch and talk about it. Maybe you've got some questions about the Bible that I can help you with. Maybe it's a, a neighbor. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Sometimes we overlook family because we're looking at the white fields out across the road, right? But maybe it's somebody in our family that we need to have a Bible discussion with. But we're going to start small, and we're going to be we're, we're going to be bite sized in that. You ever been in? You ever been? This is me. I tend to overwhelm people. When you get into a Bible study, if a little bit's good, a lot's better, right? Be be cautious about that. We don't need to overwhelm people when we're getting into these studies. So the first thing is. We want to be careful that we start small. We don't want to be overwhelmed with our discipling, but we don't want them to be overwhelmed. You get too many people involved in a group, and what tends to happen? Kind of starts shutting down, right? People don't want to participate because they don't trust it. They don't know everybody else, and so maybe they don't trust them. And maybe you just don't feel prepared. Maybe, I'm, maybe I feel like I'm not ready to start this. Well, let's start praying about it now. Let's start talking about it. So when we get together... And our, you know, when we get together on Wednesday nights or we get together on, uh, on Sunday evenings or these other fellowship times, let's make that a point to talk about how would we disciple? How would we share the gospel with somebody else? What's working? What's not working? Very practical conversations about making disciples. Second thing is we've got to be authentic. We have to be ourselves and we have to encourage other people to be themselves. You ever been around people that you felt like you had to act differently because they acted kind of holier than thou? Nobody plays that game for long. And so that means that there's going to be times when we're going to have to be vulnerable. I want to, I want to, I'm going to ask you guys to participate in this. I want everybody to say this with me. This may be kind of difficult for you to say, but I want you to practice. Say, I, I don't, don't know. know. Now, you said it once, okay? Now, I want you to practice that. I don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know, when you're talking with somebody about the Bible. That has been one of the most hard things for me to learn to say. Because when we are teaching, we feel like we have to know all the answers. You don't have to know all the answers, but I would encourage you to follow up with this. I don't know, but let's see what the Bible says. That's a good question. I'm going to write it down, and we'll come back to that. Let me do a little bit of study, and we'll come back to that. That's authentic, right? You know what's not authentic? Winging it, making it up, saying things that are not in the Bible. A penny saved is a penny earned. That's not in the Bible. So don't preach it like it is, right? So be authentic. You don't have to be perfect, but you need to be open and honest. And you've probably heard this before. People don't care how much you know until they want. They know how much you care. So the best thing that you can do is show people that you care about them and then they'll be interested in what the Bible says. Third thing is, we need to develop a rhythm. Establish a rhythm with your, with your, with your work. If you've got, a, if you've got a, a Bible study that you're having with somebody, set it up on a regular basis. Just make that part of your week. Uh, and and, and we, we have, we've done that with people. And, and the flip side of that is, don't get discouraged when you, when, you, when you miss. We've had some sickness in our family. We've had to cancel some Bible studies with people. Or some get-togethers, just some fellowship time together. Just, just time to be together and to enjoy each other's company. Don't get discouraged when that happens. Sometimes Satan will use that to try to discourage you and try to interfere with them. Well, well we, we've, been, we've been three weeks with it. 
Maybe they're not interested anymore. No, don't let that happen. Just stay at it. Develop that rhythm. Make it natural for your group. If you, if you make it forced, if you force situations, people don't want to participate in that either. They're going to feel like it's forced. And so they're going to, they're going to maybe you can't get together every week. Maybe it's every two weeks. But just make it natural. Make the who, the where, and the how natural. Sometimes people aren't comfortable going to somebody else's house. We'll see if you can go to their house. Maybe sometimes people aren't comfortable having you come to their house. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. But don't force the situation. Just make it natural and be as consistent as possible. Don't get discouraged. Now, finally, build relationships that are based on Jesus. This can, this can sometimes be the hard. You, may, you think, may think, well, that's easy. But let me, let me challenge you to think about it this way. How easy is it to talk about the weather with people? Talk about sports with people? It may even be easier for you to talk about politics with people than to talk about Jesus. But how many times have you got to end the conversation? Maybe you got to end the end of the night and Jesus never came up. I've had that happen before where we've talked about family and we've talked about work and we've talked about everything else, but then we never got to Jesus. What we need to be focused and intentional on is when we're building these relationships, we are building them around Jesus. So at some point in time, the conversation is going to transition into Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. And we're going to help foster this idea that our relationship revolves around Jesus. At some point in time, we're going to get to Jesus, and we're going to talk about him. And so that's, that's the, the, the main point there. We've got to be small, start small, be authentic, be repetitive or build a rhythm, and make the relationship built on Jesus. And so you didn't think, well, where do I start? How, how do I start this? Maybe, maybe the person that you're, that you're sitting down with is not a believer. Maybe they're not a disciple of Jesus yet. Okay, so we're talking with people who are not Christians. Maybe they are. Maybe they don't believe in God at all. Well, what would you start with? Uh, some people may, you know, you may not be fully prepared for this study, so don't get overwhelmed with it. But there are ways that you can share the gospel with somebody who doesn't even believe in God, a, an atheist, somebody who's agnostic. Where would you start? We'll start with the reality of God, right? First thing we've got to establish is that there is a God and that He is real. And so you might start by thinking about some evidences of God. The fact that we exist here, I'll give you one, the fact that we exist here is evidence that God is real. There is no explanation from the naturalistic evolutionary standpoint that explains how matter came into existence. There's, there's no answer. And they recognize that. But you've got to own it, Right? <laughs> You pick up one of the stick, you pick up the other. And so if you have no explanation for how we got here, then you've got to figure out, well, how did we get here? Creation demands a creator. That's just one evidence of God, and, and you could talk about that. And you don't even, this, this may sound weird to you, but you don't even have to open up your Bible to prove that. Some people won't let you open up the Bible because they see the Bible as being something that's man-made. It has no bearing on their life. Well, okay, we don't have to open up the Bible. We can look at the world. Just look out here. Do we exist? Yes or no? Yes, we do. How do we get here? So maybe it starts from the standpoint of, of talking about the reality of God. Maybe it's the idea that God loves you. There may be people who may have a comprehension of, a, of, a, of an intelligent being, but he has, no, he has no interaction in my life. He, has no, he, he really is ambiguous to me, and I'm ambiguous to him. 
Now we're really getting into it, right? Because what are we talking about? That's the door to Jesus. God loves you. He loves you so much that he was willing to send his son to die on the cross for you. That may be a little bit for somebody to, to be able to die just first, but that's going to be the opening into talking about Jesus is the fact that God is not only the creator, but he has interest in you. And he loves you so much that he put a plan in place before the world was created to make you a part of his family. What about people who are not Christians? They, they understand about God. Maybe they understand about Jesus, but they've never done what God asked them to be saved. Well, then we're going to talk about what does the gospel mean and what does a person need to, be, to do to be saved. And I would encourage you to think about, uh, make it simple, right? What are the people on Pentecost here those people, they believed in God. They were there. They were, they were zealous for God, right? Because they were in Jerusalem. Many of them had left their homes to come to Jerusalem to worship God. And they knew about Jesus because they had just put him on a cross. But what did they hear on that day? They heard that Jesus, a man attested by God through miracles and signs, what you by lawless hands have taken and crucified on a cross. God would not allow him to stay in the grave, but raise him up and proclaim him by that resurrection to be the Christ. Now it's kind of hard to preach that to somebody who wasn't there to crucify Jesus, but you can help them understand that their sins put Jesus on the cross, right? So one thing we have to teach people is that man's sinfulness is the reason why Jesus came. It's the reason why he died on the cross. And we also have to help them understand that Jesus gave us commands in that we have to be obedient to in order to be saved. And we can look at the ideas there. We can, ex we can expand upon the idea of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We expand upon the idea of man's sinfulness. One of the things that, that I don't emphasize as much in my preaching, but I would, I'm working on it and I would encourage, is the judgment. Why is the judgment important in this conversation? It's because if you took a class in college and there was no final exam, would you really put much effort into it? It's to help us understand that there is a time in which all mankind is going to stand for God and we're going to give an account of the things we've done in this life, whether good or evil. And so there is an exclamation point to life. There's, a, there's an ending point. And it's not necessarily when we die, it's when we stand in judgment. And then we have to help them understand what it means to be obedient to the gospel, that Jesus commands us to hear. He hears these words of mine and does them. I will liken him to a wise man, he would, Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 7. But they have to believe in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That they have to confess their sins. Jesus says that he who confesses me before man, I will confess before my, not their sins, but Jesus, their faith in Jesus. He who confesses me before man, I will confess before my father in heaven. They have to turn away from their sin. Luke chapter 13, verse 3. You don't have to write all these down because we can talk about them in time when we're at a slower pace. But you remember Jesus told those people that were gathered around there, he says, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. And he told the apostles to preach baptism. He said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's, and, and like the study that we did this morning of the in Christ versus outside of Christ, there's, there's different tools that you can use. You can use back to the Bible. Does it matter? We've got these on the back shelf back here. God's Way is a great little one-page front and back uh, study that I've used with people and helped them, obey, helped them obey the gospel. Maybe you have another tool. Maybe you have your own study that you want to do. Maybe there's people who don't like to sit down with a piece of paper. They just want to look at God's Word. 
what you can do is you can go through and you can take one of those studies and you can mark it and circle the text and then write the, the next verse next to it and kind of chain through the scriptures. And you never have to open up a Bible study. You just open up your Bible and you just walk through those verses. There's different ways to do that, but we've got to be intentional about training ourselves to do that. And don't take for granted or don't assume, maybe the better way to say it, that church attenders know God's plan to save them. There's a lot of religious organizations that teach different means by which mankind is saved. So just because a person attends church doesn't mean they've ever heard the gospel message preached or God's plan to save them to be preached. Because there are certain, there are certain religious doctrines that will cut out aspects of it. Some of them will say, well, you're saved by merit, right? So if you do enough works, if you say enough prayers, if you, if you do enough things for the church and for God that you're going you're to be saved... There's others that take the exact same opposite. All you have to do is confess Jesus with your heart and you're going to be saved. And both of those leave out Jesus' commands. And so as we're teaching people, we're going to be teaching them God's plan for them to say, what about, a, what about once a person's become a Christian, though? You've heard, we've used this analogy before, but I want to reiterate it. You take a little baby that's been born and you bring him home and you set him in the floor and you say, okay, nice knowing you. All right, there's the fridge. There's the bathroom. You're good to go, right? Do we do that with baby Christians? We sometimes do that. I will say this. I have been guilty. And the way you see that is you'll see a Christian who uh, has obeyed the gospel and they're, they're on fire for Christ and then something happens in their life. They have a struggle or they have a distraction or they change a job. Something happens. And what happens to them? You see them less. You see them less. Pretty soon they're gone for a month. They might come back from time to time, but then they just disappear. What happened to that person? We didn't make a disciple. We, we, got somebody, we got somebody to obey the gospel, and we didn't continue what Jesus told them to do in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, right? Lo, I'm with you always. And so then we've got to work on how... How does a person grow in Christ? And, and I've boiled it down to three. You could probably find more, but I'm trying to simplify it as much as possible. How do I walk with God? How do I love God's family? How do I make, how do I make disciples? Right? How do I walk with God? And when we talk about this, one of the things we want to stress is the, the importance of prayer. First off, we want, to, we want to pray like Jesus prayed. You look at the examples of Jesus' prayer, how he would go off sometimes in the wilderness and be gone all night long praying. Now, for, for a baby Christian, that might be tough. But if we can help people understand the importance and the repetition of prayer to get into the habit of prayer, Jesus taught his disciples on multiplication. One time they came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them a model prayer, but that's not something they just to repeat. He was teaching them the practice of prayer. And we need to encourage that in new disciples. That's a good challenge for us. Maybe we're not praying the way we should. And so we need to build that up in ourselves so that we can teach other people. But you think about uh, John chapter 17. That's really, in essence, that's the Lord's prayer, right? As he prays for his disciples that are there with him. And then he prays for these disciples that are not amongst him, the ones that would come after. He prays for you and I. He prays for the unity of the church. There's some great examples that we can learn. We can teach them about the word acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, the basic elements of prayer. And Philippians chapter 4, the result of prayer, right? 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep or shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Help write that into their hearts. Help them to understand that they need to write God's word into their heart. That Bible study is an important part of a, of a new Christian's life. That they are getting in and striving to understand God's word better. You remember Jesus, whenever he was tempted by Satan, what did he say? It is written. Why was he able to do that? Because he had studied God's word and he had written it into his heart. He had practiced that aspect of his spiritual life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. How does that happen? Do practice. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means that everything in the Bible is applicable for somebody's study, the Old Testament as well as the New. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete or perfect, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to make a disciple? Put them in God's <coughs> Word. Help them to be in God's Word. Encourage them in God's Word. Challenge them with God's Word. Give them questions and let them ask questions. And then to live or to walk like Jesus. And we're not going to take the time to read all those passages up there. Galatians chapter, six, uh, chapter 5, verse 16. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you can look at what the lust of the flesh looks like. It gives a description there. And you can also see what the fruit of the Spirit looks like in Galatians chapter 5, verses uh, 22 and 23. Um, this is what making a disciple looks like. How do I love God's family? This is what we learned over the past few weeks, right? Teach them what togetherness means. It's hard to be together when you're not together. And so one of the things that's important for a new Christian is take every opportunity you can to be around other Christians. What does one another mean? That means that I'm going to sacrifice for you and you're going to sacrifice for me. You know what? That's kind of hard for a new Christian sometimes to understand what sacrifice looks like. They may be excited about participating, but they may have never had to sacrifice for anybody before. To give up their time, to give up resources, to give up energy. They may have a lot of energy, but they may not know how to do that. And so we're helping them to see what it looks like to love one another, to esteem one another highly to share with one another. And then how do we make disciples ourselves? This is one of the things that I think is really important to teach a new Christian from the very beginning. God's expectation of you is to share it with other people. You, I say wash, rinse, repeat. You know what I mean by that, right? You take what you've done and you share it with somebody else. You just continue the process. You see what's going on, or what other Christians around you are doing, and you repeat it. You take it and share it with other people. Um, if you've ever read the book Muscle and the Shovel, or actually not Muscle and the Shovel, but the When Shovels Break, that's one of the things that was interesting in that book. Michael, uh, Michael Shanks wrote both of those books, and it's really the story of his, of his coming to Christ and then his life after becoming a Christian. One of the things that Michael Shanks was on fire for whenever he first became a Christian was sharing the gospel with other people. And, and he was so passionate about it that he didn't look around at the other members of the church and to see what they weren't doing. Until one day he finally, he finally came to the realization, I'm the only one doing this. You see how you can be a, we Christians can be a, a big discouragement to a new disciple if we're asking them to do things we're not doing ourselves. 
it's important for us to be setting an example for. And again, we're going to talk about that next week. And we got to remember the principle of planting and watering and increase. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, right? I planted, Paul's watered, God gave the increase. For it is neither he who plants nor he who waters, but it is God who gives what? The increase. We have to trust that God is going to help the fruit be born. He's going to bear the fruit, essentially. All we're doing is being a conduit for it. That's what making disciples looks like, is us trusting that the Lord is going to do what he has promised to do. So we're going to grow and mature. Uh-oh. What I just did there. Advance the slide too quickly. And as we grow Christians in, we help feed more meat. You advance from, from baby food. You go off of milk to baby food, then to, to full-grown food. We start talking about some of the, the more complex aspects of the Bible. That's exciting. I don't know. Hopefully you're seeing spiritual growth taking place in your own life, and you're getting excited about it. You're learning things from the Scriptures that you never learned before. Um, I'm going to brag on Susan. She, she has, she has uh, she's doing her daily Bible reading and she's back in Genesis. And, and, you, and you think about the fact that you may have read a passage multiple times. Maybe you've read it all your life. But every time you go through it, what's going to happen? You're going to find something new, right? If you're really looking for God in the scriptures, you're going to find new things every time. And that's been really encouraging to me. She's doing her reading on her own. We're not doing it together. But she, she's taking this on for herself. But she's always coming up to me, hey, did you, did you ever, had you ever seen this before? And we're learning together because we're, she's excited about God's word and she is then passing that on to me. That's what I want to challenge us to do so that we can do that with the disciples. It's okay to tell somebody that you're, that you're studying with, hey, I learned something new today. Remember, remember what we said before? I don't know was part of our vocabulary. So let's wrap up here with this. Making disciples can be hard work, but it doesn't have to be complicated. I've heard many of you say that before. Sometimes we just make it too hard. A lot of it's just about being authentic, sharing our faith with others, showing them from the scriptures where that comes from, and helping them then to share it with other people. But it is essential to us being the church that Jesus called us to be. It is essential to the mission of making disciples is teaching them Jesus. I want to encourage you to be thinking about, do you have anybody in your life, do you have anybody on your, on your spiritual radar that you could be honing in on and say, you know what, I'd like to study with that person. I'd like to, to work on that person. I'd like to challenge that person. Maybe it's somebody who's not a Christian, but maybe it is a Christian that you've seen floundering. Maybe you've seen somebody who, who you think could, could use some help. Zone in on that person. Encourage them, strengthen them, set up a relationship with them, build that relationship, or set up a, a time to meet and build that relationship with them and encourage them. Um, and feed them. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Paul makes this statement. He says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. We may build relationships on a lot of different things, but if it's not built on Jesus, it's going to be burned up in the, in the judgment. And so that's what we're after. We're about building relationships with people that are going to last. 
Isn't it wonderful to think about the fact that you're building relationships with people in this life that can carry on into eternity? We'll see you on the other side, brother. I'll see you on the other side, sister. Right? That's what we're talking about. Next week, we're going to talk about living Christ. Because it's one thing to teach people about Jesus, but another thing to live it, right? We've got to practice what we preach. And so that's going to be important for us to think about next week. Maybe, uh, maybe through this study, you've come to realize that there's something missing in your life, and you need to, to rectify it. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. That's an opportunity for you, if you feel comfortable, to make it known. You can come in front. If you don't, that's okay. But, but if you're struggling with something, let's find a way to address that burden and to lighten the load. Burdens don't go away overnight. It takes effort. It takes work. But it never goes away if we don't start addressing them. Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. For more information about our church family, please visit our Bradleyville Church of Christ Facebook page. We hope to see you soon. Till then, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We hope you have a good day.